Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Damn right. Welcome in, welcome back. We'll be here Saturday Suckage. We'll be sucking so you don't have to until 2 o'clock. Bears All Access will follow. Guest will be Cole Komet. So we're going back to the SCORE hotline. It's presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Welcoming back to the show, one of the great all-time curmudgeons in Chicago newspapering, the columnist, the wake of the news columnist, my sports guy, Paul Sullivan. Sully, how are you? Oh, thank you, Rosie. That is such a such an honor to be labeled one of the all-time curmudgeons. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, to think of all the greats that we've, we've yes. known in, just in Chicago <laughs> alone. <laughs> See, and you're not only in the team picture, I think you're sitting down in the front row. That's where I think you are, buddy. Wow. It's the Mount Rushmore of Chicago curmudgeons. <laughs> curmudgeons. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> so, so stop me if you've heard this before. Jose Quintana pitches shutout ball. He gets into the sixth inning. He had only given up a couple hits, a walk, three Ks. He gave his team a chance to win, and then the bullpen soils the bed, but this time like no other bullpen in baseball history. So for Sox fans, that looks familiar. And finally, the Eloy cease trade for Quintana paid off for Cup fans because the bullpen soiling the bed pitches for the Cardinals, a choke like none other. So the best fans in baseball who were leaving the game when it was two to nothing Cardinals and then it didn't turn out that way. I guess that's one of the best days in Chicago baseball history this season. That's how we have to look at it, right? Uh, definitely, yeah. And plus the U Darvish uh, dealing for the Padres last night uh, against the Mets, uh, you know, the guy that uh, was traded for three or four uh, prospects that uh, might be here in a couple of years, but uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Rizzo does and, uh, you know, Schwarber's got another game tonight. So that's all you can do when you're, uh, Chicago and is watch other former players in the playoffs. Sure. <laughs> Share what you thought and what you wrote as the Sox look for a new manager and this dysfunctional organization talks about, well, we're not going to spend any money and don't even think about it fans we're just going to get creative and we're going to keep going after what we went after last time and what did you think of Rick Hahn's tone or the way it presented the White Sox 
and how would you handicap the <clears throat> chance chances of different who who becomes the next manager? Yeah, I don't know how to handicap that honestly because uh, the the parameters that he left were so broad. Uh, you know, somebody that's uh, been in the dugout recently with a winning organization. Uh, knows how to communicate. Uh, you know, those are kind of things that you could point to like 20 people, but uh, certainly the one they just had was not a communicator. So that uh, that was what they really need probably. Um, I don't know. I thought Han did as good as he can, as could be expected. I mean, I don't know what you wanted him to say. I thought it was at least honest saying that he wasn't going to spend this off season because they've got so many bad contracts that they still have to deal with. And, you know, Grandal and Moncada, and even smaller ones like AJ and Leary. So uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I know a lot of people are down on Han and I understand that, but uh, you know, he's not going anywhere. So you, you're just going to have to trust that he does the right move here. And he did, he does deserve the opportunity to make a, his own manager pick, I think. Well, I got a problem with what I've been hearing, and here's this. It, it, it seemed his for all the world, and even on the, the shadow of the White Sox website, there was Tony La Russa's face and A.J. Hinch's name and signature. So mm-hmm. his... Do you think Rick, he'll bring A.J. Would, in? Yeah, so that's his... Well, yeah. one of the A.J.'s. There are all kinds of A.J.'s no. <laughs> available for you if you want. Yeah. So AJ Malesko, who is uh, part of the 1998 women's gold winning gold medal winning hockey team and a hockey broadcaster, I think she could miss the playoffs just as well as the Hall of Famer baseball person could. But but the idea, I I don't know what AJ Hinch has done because the World Series that they won was all through cheating, and he proved ineffective as a leader from the way I see it, maybe you can disabuse me of this notion. He tried to get his team to stop cheating. He knew what they were doing was wrong. He broke the television a couple times. They got it all. They got it back. He couldn't stop his team from the greatest cheating scandal. And now people think he's a great manager. And now they think Joe Espada, a guy who covered and, and Alex Cora and, and, and Beltron, all these guys who cheated their way to do this is who's, these are whose names we've heard. What makes yeah. them great managers if you're going to have to play level or even or not be able to shoot angles to the, the worst in the, in the worst way possible? Well, even besides that, uh, Hinch, you know, has had really two really bad years in Detroit. They were supposed to have turned the corner this year. That's why they gave Javi all the money. And, uh, you know, that was <laughs> – a really bad team. I I can't remember if they lost 100, <laughs> but they were close to it. So I don't see why his name would still be like at the top of their list. Um, the other guys, you know, Espada, you, you heard his name forever. I think he was up for the Cubs job when Ross was hired, and that was, you know, three years ago. So uh, he's just one of those names that you're always going to hear. And uh, who was the other ones you said? I, I can't remember. Well, Alex Cora, oh, Beltron. who was part of the yeah. and Beltron, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, same thing. I mean, you'd have to. I think uh, Cora is. You'd probably have to, you know, buy him out or something or trade for him because you know he's got another year left on his contract, I believe. And and Beltron, I, that one's a head scratcher. I think uh, 
if you're trying to win now, you you know, you don't go with someone that's never managed before and who did have a job with the Mets for like, I don't know, one week before they fired him. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's an experienced manager. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would say none of those are would be on my list, but uh, it's hard to think what who what's on Han's list because uh, he really didn't give a whole lot of uh, direction and which way he would go, except that it wouldn't be Ozzy. <laughs> I think we could pretty much. And yet, that. and yet, Joe Ostrowski, who is who is on the score all over the score, and he does sports betting show seven days a week, BetQL daily, and early odds on Saturday earlier this morning. Bet MGM mm-hmm. game day. So he had noted that Ozzy is suddenly the favorite at plus five hundred, only really? because the betting public only because the betting public did it because they love the idea of Ozzy coming back as the greatest uh-huh. manager in, in White Sox history. And then second. the second favorite, well, the second favorite is Bruce Bochy, probably on the strength oh, okay. of Steve Stone mentioning him, and people think he's got inside information. And Sandy Alomar oh, okay. Jr. And and then you got Sandy Alomar Jr. is plus, six, plus 700, and mm-hmm. Carlos Beltran a plus 900. Anyways, that's where it is. I had a name I brought yeah. up last week that, that I... I, I, I love Ozzy for our purposes, for your purposes, love, for the sports media purposes. Well, I love Ozzy anyways, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, right. And 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 I almost wonder if it comes down to what we saw with Yohan Moncada in that a game against the Twins. Would Ozzy have walked onto the field and pulled him out at that moment, a la Bobby Cox, for showing how much of a dog he is and how much the, the, the every other opponent plays harder than the White Sox do. Or, or if at worst, not take him out of the game and he doesn't get into the next inning. Would the job have been Mikel Gairo's for sure if he had done one of those two things? Would Ozzy have done that? Because he's been a critic of Yohan Moncada. Yeah. And, and do you think that sticks in the mind of White Sox decision makers? Um, I don't think so. I think he, you know, I don't, you don't see managers doing that no matter how much players are loafing. Uh, it's very rare nowadays. And, you know, we bring up Andrew Jones and all that, but that was, you know, what, 20, 20 something years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know, uh, did Ross do it with the Schwarber maybe one game? I, I'm, Kind of blanking on that. It's all kind of a blur now. I do but think. I, I do think. I think he took him out might of... bench him. You know, after something like that, I don't know if he would yank him from a game. And, and I don't think that's why they. You know, the reason that the Sox don't want Ozzy is they're just afraid of any, you know, controversies or, you know, bizarre happenings or stuff that happens when Ozzy says something because Ozzy, you know, he likes to talk and he's is a great talker, but you know he. He talks from his gut, and sometimes uh, people don't like what they uh, hear. One of the things that he does do, though, that that you expected Larusa to do, and he never did. Larusa was an absolute failure at the basics of defense, base running. This was not a smart team, and no attempts seemed to be made to make it any smarter or any better defensively. I don't. I can't imagine Ozzy letting that go the way it went this year. Could you, or is there a rule against managers making demands of players 
that they actually play baseball because the guardians, you know what they do? They run the bases smart. They catch the ball. They play baseball. The Sox don't know how to play baseball. They could benefit by a manager who demands they play baseball. Don't you think that's what the guardians did? I do think that, but uh, I'm not defending uh, LaRusso or anything, but who's to say that they know how to play baseball? I mean, you had two guys <laughs> in the outfield in Sheets and, uh, you know, Andrew that uh, were not outfielders. So they yeah. shouldn't have been in the outfield in the first place, but, you know, kind of injuries and the roster. Uh, Eloy probably should have been a DH way before they made him a DH. Um, that is one thing that uh, a manager can do, and they never did with him. Um, I, Anderson, that's the case where, you know, he had that really terrible, terrible fielding slump in the first half. Um, he was a little better, and then he got injured. So, uh, but, you know, are you going to bench Anderson? I don't, I don't see anyone doing that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they just weren't a very good defensive team. I don't know who you could have put in their place that would have uh, changed things. Well, Unless you're allowed you to make those trade. guys. Yeah. <laughs> I well, mean, make those... with that roster, I'm saying, I mean, obviously they have a whole off season to fix that, but with that roster that they had, I, I didn't, you know, there was no improvements that they could have done. My guest is Paul Sullivan. He writes the in the wake of the news column for the Chicago Tribune. And we're discussing the White Sox right now, managerial search. So I had a, I brought up a name last week that mm-hmm. Ken Rose, Ken Rosenthal had brought up and, and it struck me that, that this would be a really, this would be almost a Terry Francona idea. And the name mm-hmm. is Walt Weiss, Walt Weiss, the bench coach now for the Braves. Now you look at the Braves the last two years, they've sucked for four months the way the White Sox sucked. And then they got it mm-hmm. together and they won a world series last year. And this was the guy who was, Brian Snitker's bench coach. And then they did the same mm-hmm. thing this year and they ran down the Mets. I don't know your experience with Walt Weiss. Mm-hmm. When you hear that name, what is it you think? Cause I guess in a ro- the baseball romantic in me and wanting to see success for a, t- a local team is like, there's Terry Francona who sucked with the Phillies. Wasn't any good. Wasn't whatever it was, whatever, whether it was his fault or no one else's, he didn't have the numbers. And then he goes to Boston mm-hmm. and it's magic. So what do you think when you hear Walt Weiss coming from the Rockies to the Braves and then to the White Sox? I think uh, he's not a big enough name that that would, you know, get White Sox fans excited. Um, you know, he might be a good manager down the road. I don't know. Uh, honestly, I never even thought of his name until you just brought it up. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't think bench coaches uh, are, you know, as valuable as people think. To me, they're, you know, they're, they're not managers. It's a whole different thing. And, you know, you can be a bench coach on a, you know, a great team and still be a bad manager. So uh, I think they need someone with some name recognition, honestly. They're, they're going to have a hard time selling tickets next year. I've already spoken to a, a lot of Sox fans who are very upset and talking about either canceling or, you know, not going to games or canceling their season tickets. And, uh, I mean, you can't understate how pissed off people are right now and unless they make some major changes and have someone that people believe in as a manager and that then that they like um they're just not going to sell tickets and when you don't sell tickets you got problems so would they 
which would create the bigger name value, the bigger, the, which would juice the fan base more hiring Bruce Bochy or cutting and eating the salary of Yasmani Grandal. <laughs> That's a tough one. I don't know if you could pick between those. I think, uh, you know, getting rid of Grandal would be probably the best interest for everyone, but, uh, I don't know. They're, they're already eating Dallas Keuchel's contract, so I don't know how much how much taste Jerry Reinsdorf has for eating money. Uh, I think Bochy would be a popular pick, uh, but he is a name. Uh, I think Ozzy would be the most popular pick, obviously, and I think AJ Przinsky would would be a someone that people could rally behind. But that didn't sound like uh, he's even in the in the running based on Hans' criteria. All AJ has to do, if you could hire a first-year manager, if it's not going to be Ozzy, but whoever it is, if you hire somebody that Sox fans would love and they love AJ, AJ comes in and goes, I'm managing the White Sox players. Here's the deal. Recess over. You say something like that, and you'll sell season tickets. It sounds like wrestling, and AJ's all about wrestling. He's all about that outsized personality. So if yeah. you're talking about if you if you think a manager sells tickets, do you do you believe that? Do you believe that would happen with the White Sox? Is that, that a special would, case? That, that he, he sell would come tickets? in and yeah, I, I do think he would sell tickets. Uh, but yeah, you know, like you said, he would have to come in talking tough, and that doesn't always translate. Um, remember, Don Baylor came in and said he was going to smash Sammy's boombox. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if he heard the loud music that. and. That one didn't really work out so well. So, you know, <laughs> anyone can say anything. And, you know, Sox fans want to hear that someone, whoever gets the job, is going to come in and, you know, kick some butt and tell these guys to quit, uh, you know, half-stepping it down the line or whatever they do. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, they're going to get that message. But, uh, you know, making it happen is, is probably another uh, – thing altogether so as far as the cubs i always assumed that september was a mirage you saw some nice things you saw christian morell up and down say suzuki up and down you may have found a couple arms you you may found may have found something but aren't they expected to spend a lot of money do you expect them to spend a lot of money are there going to be make a a free agent splash multiple times next year. What do you think – what do you really think is going to happen? What are they going to do? Well, I think uh, similar to the White Sox, they're uh, going to have to do something because uh, their fans aren't as ticked off as Sox fans, but uh, I think they're going to lose a lot of season tickets as well because the season ticket holders couldn't even dump their tickets on StubHub. Uh, this year, because there's a lot of crowds <laughs> announced, like thirty thousand a game, and you could look around. There's you know under twenty thousand easy, so uh, they're going to lose season tickets. Uh, so you know, Ricketts did have one interview session with writers. We we stopped him in the concourse uh, one day, and he did say that he would be. You know, they have the resources to spend this year, and um, you know, he made the right move with the. Jason Hayward, I, you know, that's easy for us to say, you know, to eat all this money, but, you know, it's another thing to actually do it. So you got to give him some credit for that. 
Uh, I do think Cub fans should be encouraged by, you know, the young pitching that they we've seen in the second half and guys like, uh, you know, Keegan and Justin and uh, maybe Brandon Hughes. Uh, and you got to give Carter Hawkins a little bit of credit. I think he helped establish this pitching rich uh, organization in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, in the first year of the Cubs, it seems to be the direction that they're at least trying to move in. And, uh, you know, if we've seen anything uh, by watching Cleveland, we've seen, they just keep cranking out these pitchers and, you know, then they trade them or they leave, but um, you know, watching McKenzie right now, and he's dealing, and you know, like they've just got an unbelievable system. I don't know how they do it, but they just keep cranking out pitchers. And if the Cubs can do that, you know, they're I think they'll be in good position in a few years. It's a big if, obviously, but it, it's yeah, we've seen that if before. Sully, I appreciate your time. Thank you for for your curmudgeonly ways on this airway on these airwaves. <laughs> Anytime, Rosie. All right, take care, Paul Sullivan. He's the in the wake of the column and wake of the news columnist in the sports section for the Tribune, and um, and a just a wonderful, wonderful person to talk to. I love me some Sully. Is the score ever a seven six zero texture? Is the score ever going to do remotes again? A wake and bake club at a dispensary would be badass. Seven six zero, yes, it would be, except <clears throat> there are a whole bunch of governmental rules about it. Federally, you'll understand. While Joe Mar- Joe Biden's pardoning everybody, there's you. F- I don't think there's a dispensary that can accept anything but cash. It's still a federal law against marijuana. They're attempting to change it in states, and I don't. I I don't know how the radio station deals with it. We have talked about it. In fact. We found the Wake and Bake Club, me and Mark Grody, co-founders. We found a, a place called the Wake and Bakery in Lakeview, and now one is opened in Northbrook. We were so alerted to that. And my son was so familiar with it that he talked about how you can get diet pot. You can get Delta 8 if you don't want Delta 9. And I'm so glad my, my children are up on that. We would love to do a remote, a Wake and Bake Club remote. I think that would be excellent for this show if the government would allow it. You know what else I want to do for this show? Caesar, were you here? Maybe it was Sean Sears, but had we had Chuck Swirsky on, the Swirsk, the voice of the Bulls, and he's got a book out. And Chuck has been... For all of I guess the joke about... Not the joke, but the line about Chuck would this if if you didn't know that paul mccartney was in a band before wings then you probably didn't know what chuck did before he called bulls basketball but sports talk owes a lot to chuck he came on the score and we talked about the bulls their opening and he had a book coming out and he said he would do three hours on this show on saturday because we were plumbing the depths of some sports talk history then in Chicago sports history. Chuck was everywhere. There was a zealotness about him. There was a, there, 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 he was just, whatever the moment was, Chuck was there. Chuck was doing sports talk. Chuck was creating sports talk. And he wrote this book. And so I don't know. Did you hear from Spilkus yet, Caesar? 
Cesar Perez, did you did he call and book a time for Chuck to be to dominate this show? I have not heard anything yet. No. All right, Spokus. I need to know. I want Chuck on the show. In lieu of that, we will talk about Chuck's team. They played basketball last night, and they won the game. But that's not nearly as interesting as the story that evolved over the first unit and the second unit. Billy Donovan did. So how serious is this? What does this mean? We'll take a look at the Bulls on Saturday Suckage after this. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Circle right to Drummond. Left side. Patrick for three. Bam! Patrick Williams has come to life here in the quarter. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in. Welcome back. Indeed, I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Top of the hour, I'll talk with Mark Potash of the Sun-Times. We'll talk about whether Luke Getze and Justin Fields were dipping into Aaron Rodgers' ayahuasca and just what kind of craziness they... Maybe they see a whole different world. Posse wrote about it this week. It's a whole different world when there's improvement in Justin Fields at 174 yards and a 50% completion percentage and the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Ooh, boy. In the meantime, the highlight you heard, that was Chuck. That's Swirsk. I want him on the air. <clears throat> Caesar, work on that. We get him. Three hours talking about his book. In the meantime, he was talking about Bulls. Bulls beat the Nuggets last night. 131-113. DeRozan, 22 points in 24 minutes. There you go. 9 of 15, the master of the mid-range. Booch, 14, 7, and 4. He hit two three-pointers. That's really the news. He hit two three-pointers. Kobe White off the bench, 15 points in 18 minutes. He shot 5 of 7. Oh, my God. Two of them were three-pointers. You go. Bull shot 60% on the night. So the starting lineup, Io at point guard, Levine, DeRozan, Vooch. But the story was the starting power forward. It was Javante Green instead of the Patrick Williams you just heard in the highlight that Chuck described. So we've seen this kind of experimentation with Donovan before. He did it. He does it in the preseason. He keeps switching things around, what works, how it works, against what kind of, what matchups may demand for this. And starting doesn't matter as much as finishing. But Casey Johnson pointed out that Donovan wanted to see a 10-man rotation. So don't have DeRozan with the second group. So you got five and five. That's your 10-man rotation. How is this working? So the second group was Caruso, Kobe White, Andre Drummond, Dragic, and Patrick Williams. And Billy Donovan was asked in the postgame, and he wanted to make it clear, do not call this a demotion. To me, it's a preseason game. I don't look at it that way or view it that way. I don't think Patrick does either. I wouldn't, the last thing I would call it would be a demotion. I mean, I think that, you know, Patrick, you know, I, this is just the way I view it. Patrick was the fourth player taken in the draft. That's not his fault. He's here to help our team in any way he can help our team. And whether he comes off the bench or starting, you know, it's almost like, okay, well, it's okay for Iowa to come off the bench because he's a second-round pick, but it's not okay for Patrick. Like, we've got to 
we've got a group of players and we've got a team and you want to put guys in the best position where they can play to their skill set and help the group and help the team. And, you know, Patrick has always been a team guy, but I don't look at like, hey, looking at different combinations. It, it, it may be good for us, our team, for Patrick to come off the bench. It may be good to start him. You know, I, I don't know if tonight I necessarily know anything else. I thought Javante played very well, and I thought Patrick played well. I thought both guys, you know, played very, very well. So in Donovan's eyes, the move is an experiment on many, many levels. But the line about it's, it can't be a demotion and you have to earn your right and you have to do what's right for the team. It's not William's fault that he was a fourth player taken in the draft. But it would seem to be his fault that he has not shown enough to the coach to deserve to start to play with the best players. <clears throat> and what you saw last night and the way others are describing it you saw a whole lot of energy, a whole, a whole different kind of unit with Javante Green. He had 15 points, 23 minutes, five rebounds, two assists. Even knocked down all three of his three-point attempts. But he completely changed the energy of the first unit. The only thing Williams did, the fourth overall pick in the draft, that's not his fault, he had a block in the first half. He suddenly had himself a game in the second half. He went to the rim. He hit a pull-up jumper. He hit a three-pointer. Bang, bang, bang. It was all in a in a, a, a short sequence. But the idea of bringing energy that Patrick Williams can't do that. If you're a team guy, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Bring energy. Donovan was talking about you. Javante Green, he said he just makes things happen. Hustle plays, loose balls, offensive rebounds, getting out in transition. He'll drive it, find an open man. He's really an, a high-energy guy with whoever he's playing with. When you put Javante out there, you know what you're going to get. Am I going too far in saying you don't know what you're going to get with Patrick Williams? Or are you not getting that kind of energy, that kind of hustle, that kind of selfless basketball play? Patrick Williams had to face some of the similar questions, he had an answer for <clears throat> what his job was and how it should be viewed. He said, my job is to be productive and use my talents to help the team win. I think that's everybody's job. It's not up to me or where my name gets called. My job is to be ready whenever my name is called. All right. I don't know how the, first of all, the Bulls, without Alonzo Ball, and Caruso not starting. Io's the only guy who's going to play defense, really. On the, the only guy, reliable guy who's going to play defense on that first unit. So you're going to, all those stars are going to have to outscore everybody. You're missing a defensive component, Lonzo Ball brought as a point guard, as a defensive player, as a guy to create some easy baskets. And with Caruso, the Bulls had that kind of defensive energy. They could turn a game around that was a really good second half rotation for them. So it was presumed, it was assumed Patrick Williams was going to be a star. Doesn't he have to be a star? Because right now the Bulls look like at best a play-in team if they even make the playoffs. I know they have some big names and Zach, Zach Levine talks about getting better and doing more things and he's going to need to. And Vooch has got to hit three-pointers.
He's got to be that guy they traded for. And Patrick Williams was supposed to be, it wasn't like he was a fourth round pick from some other regime. He was a fourth round pick from this regime, from AK, from Eversley, these guys. We want that guy. There he is. Now he's had some tough luck between getting injured and the pandemic and all that. But I don't see how the Bulls do this if Patrick Williams isn't a star. I don't know how they get back to finishing at least six to avoiding the play-in round. Right now they look like a team that's going to struggle to make play-ins. Again, it's early. Billy Donovan is going through a lot of rotations. He's seeing who can play with whom, how well they can play. What's going to happen when the first unit gets outscored because they don't play defense? Then what do you got? I don't know. I just think that Patrick Williams has to be a star. And to the, the odd sound of he got Billy Donovan saying he was a fourth pick in the draft. That's not his fault. Really? You're absolving him of pressure to perform like the fourth pick in the draft? You're never going to get away from it, whether it's his fault or not. This regime made him the fourth pick. This regime had expectations. You go back and look at the quotes. What were they talking about? You're not talking about a bench player with the fourth pick. You don't intend that to be your decision. You intend that to be a star, a star at both ends. They need him to be more aggressive. Sometimes he is that guy, and then he looks unstoppable, and you think this guy is going to be a star. I don't I know sometimes you're Billy Donovan, you're a coach, you gotta you gotta protect your players, you gotta fall on their sword, you gotta make up for their weaknesses. Patrick Williams has to be a star. That's what it's gonna take. And Zach Levine has to be better. And Vooch has to be hit three pointers. And Io can't get worn down. And we all love what we saw. I love what I saw of him. And eventually the season got to him. So if his if his <clears throat> number one goal is stamina and he gets more of it and he, or for, he builds it up, that's great. They're going to need it. I know they got Dragic. Dragic is a pro. It's wonderful. If he's in your second unit, I think you're in really good shape. If he's starting, then boy, if he's starting and Patrick Williams isn't, you really think this is how a a championship a, a team with championship ideas would draw it up i don't we'll take a break and when we come back top of the hour mark potash we'll talk football we'll talk bears football bears vikings we'll talk the quarterback thing but but football came up this week really lousy football actually and yet we find out that celebrities They're just like you and me when it comes to football. Discuss that as we we hit part of the cultural zeitgeist that this legendary radio show is known for. I suck so you don't have to. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Indeed. I suck so you don't have to. Thanks for joining me. Top of the hour, Mark Potash will be here to talk some Bears, Bears, Vikings, 
quarterbacks, two of the worst red zone quarterbacks there is. Imagine that. Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields. There you go. We will talk about them with Potsy and whatever else is going on. But for the moment, Bears, celebrities, fans, they're just like you and me. And this should be comforting. So Mila Kunis, you know her, that 70s show. She's married to Ashton Kutcher. Also that 70s show. Ashton Kutcher, according to Larry Mayer, was a couple, wrote a couple years ago about Bears celebrity fans and ranked Ashton Kutcher second to President Obama. Of Ashton Kutcher, Larry Mayer wrote, the popular actor and venture capitalist, best known for appearing in that 70s show and creating the TV show Punked, has been an avid Bears fan since growing up in Iowa. And he is often on the sidelines. See, we're, we're talking with Mark Rohde about that and biggest celebrity sideline thrill. He cited Bill Murray, who was number three on Larry Mayer's Bears list, celebrity sideline. The iconic actor who grew up in Wilmette and attended Loyola Loyola Academy has been a lifelong Bears fan who often attends games. Murray began his career at Second City, Chicago, an improv comedy troupe. Yep, 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 yep. Anyways, Mila Kunis went on the, the Kelly Clarkson show and like all parents, you'll know this, parents listening now, kids have play dates. But as it turns out, according to this report from E! Online, as it turns out, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher's kids, Wyatt, 8, Dimitri, 5, when they have booming social lives and play dates, and they had invites everywhere, the parents get tired out. Mila says she gets tired of it. And she says she has the, quote, the excuse of football. Which is Sunday football, she said. Thursday night football. Monday night. Football is on a lot in America nowadays. So we're like, there's a football game. Why can't we go to Johnny's house? Football. I gotta watch football. Stars. They're just like you and me. Celebrity fans. They're just like you and me. And that's, that's, feel free to do it. The Mila Kunis excuse. She, by the way, was named one of the 100 most influential people of 2022. Time Magazine put out its list. Mila Kunis was on it. And Ashton Kutcher tweeted out, Dear Time Magazine, I already lose every argument I have with my wife. You just had to do this, didn't you? So there you go. That's what happens. That's 70 show. That's what you grew up with. So as we discussed football on Thursday night, bad football, we saw it. It was awful. Neither team scored a touchdown. Russell Wilson proved to be awful, pathetic, just millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of a waste of money. He provided a Super Bowl flashback that was not happy. Bronco fans left at the start of overtime because they did not want to see what was going to happen. And by the end of that awful game with the Colts, 24 of the NFL's 32 teams are at 500 or below right now. The Bears are one of those 20 or one of those 24 teams. They're at five. They were two and two at 500. And somehow it feels worse. 
it feels worse. The and it's gonna be worse. I don't know if they'll stop Dalvin Cook tomorrow. We'll ask Mark Potash at the top of the hour if he thinks they will. That would be order number one. If you can pressure Kirk Cousins, he's going to throw you the ball. He does that. He does that to the Bears. He does that to a lot of teams. You pressure him, that's what happens. That goes for a lot of quarterbacks. You pressure him, they turn over the ball. Justin Fields, you pressure him, they turn over the ball. Mark Rohde was relating to us the fact that in the red zone, Kirk Cousins is the 30th, 30th ranked quarterback in the NFL. He sucks. Right behind him at 31 is Justin Fields. This ought to be a dandy. But now, when you have a Bears team that feels worse than 2-2, two and two, and they're playing in Minnesota, and then they're going to play Thursday night. They're going to play two games in five days. And I just, I fear what we're going to see or what we're going to be forced to watch. And I don't know if you hope for Justin Fields is good health because what happened, I think part of the reason I feel this team is worse than one and worse than two and two is that Justin Fields, despite what Luke Getze and Justin Fields say, there's a problem with the passing game. And if that's improvement, then we're starting 500 feet, 5,000 feet, 5 million feet below earth, whatever it is, we are starting from middle earth and trying to work our way up and we may never get there because this season is about him. Can the bears win games with Justin field, despite Justin Fields, that was the barometer a couple weeks ago. Can they win games despite him? Then can they win games with him? And by the end of the season, will we know if they can win games because of him? So right now they're losing games and he's no help. Sacks, turnovers, failing in the red zone. And you have a quarterback who cannot find an open receiver. He doesn't know what an open receiver looks like in the NFL. He can't throw into or don't won't throw into a window. He holds the ball too long for whatever reason, but it seems to be he doesn't know what an open receiver looks like in the NFL. And we found out why so much talk about, maybe this is why Darnell Mooney was a fifth-round pick. Maybe it's not so much size as the fact that he doesn't know the playbook. He doesn't know the offensive rules. He doesn't know which way to go. He can't run a route correctly. We've heard all manner of that from Mooney, from the offensive coordinator that he's thinking in last year, he doesn't know this year's terminology, this year's whatever this year's bailout plans are. You're supposed to bend. You're supposed to cut. What are you supposed to do? He wasn't where Justin Fields expected to find him. And he admitted that because he was in last year's offense, last year's playbook. How does that happen? How could that be? And, and if you thought the tools, remember we thought we knew Justin Fields' tools, his weapons, his supporting cast were, were questionable at best to be charitable, but at least he had Darnell Mooney. He doesn't have Darnell Mooney. He doesn't know when he's going to have Darnell Mooney. 
because he doesn't know when Darnell Mooney's going to run the right route. Nobody knows when Darnell Mooney's going to run the right route. Darnell Mooney admits he doesn't know which way to go when certain things, when plays are broken down. And plays are going to break down a lot because that's the Bears' offensive line. Other teams know the weakness. And Justin Fields is not helping himself. Luke Getze, Mark Rohde played us a cut earlier about Luke Getze this week talking about taking the cheap completion. Get three, four yards. And again, in the West Coast offense, you take that. There's your long handoff. Your guy, you get four yards. Now it's second and six. You could do that again, and now it's third and two. At worst, third and three. So you've got workable downs. You've got all, a whole bunch, a whole lot more options open to you. And you have a Bears quarterback who refuses to do that. Why? Why? Is he stubborn? Can he not see it? Does he not understand the offense? Does he not know what an open receiver looks like? Does he not know when it's time to bail out? And again, Mitch Trubisky, he was all about check down. Justin Fields is all about touchdown. Ideally, touchdown to check down, but you know what an open receiver looks like. You know where to throw it to him. You know when he's going to come open. You can throw him open. It takes anticipation. It takes trust. Is it, isn't, it, uh, isn't it crazy, Steve, how, how Mooney is so lost when all you heard about offseason, all offseason, is how him and Fields were doing nothing but spending time together and going over plays and stuff? Yes, Caesar. You would think things would have broken down even in practice. You think they would practice all of the emergency, all of the chaos. And what clicks in Darnell Mooney's mind is last year's offense, last year's rules for when things break down. I, I, I don't get it. I, whatever the coaching has to be, you have to get through to Justin Fields. You have to get through to Darnell Mooney. So now his weak weapons appear even weaker. And are we ever going to see any kind of arc? Now, Getsy and Fields this week, Fields had the unbelievable statement of who says the passing game isn't working, wasn't working. Okay, so 174 yards is your idea of working. Can we show you some professional quarterbacking? Maybe you'll understand it, sir. We'd like you to see this. It's not what you did. It's not what the Bears do. But both Getze and Fields said there was improvement. It seemed to stagger a lot of people. You heard it on these airwaves. It seemed like they were on Aaron Rodgers' ayahuasca. Mark Potash wrote about it. He didn't see what the mirages, the same mirages that those at Hallis Hall saw. And remember, what gets seen at Hallis Hall, this is the place that brought you George and Ted and Phil Emery and Mark Tressman and Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and Aaron Cromer. So what they say at Hallis Hall often sounds like they've turned the stupid gas up to 10. We'll see what Potsy has to say about what he heard, what's, what he thinks is true, and what isn't. Mark Potash of the Sun-Times will be next on Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.